Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to PrimeMed's podcast series on pneumococcal immunization for adults. This is the second part of the series. We welcome Dr. Robert Hopkins, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics and the Chief of the Division of General Internal Medicine at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences College of Medicine. The learning objectives of this podcast are, one, identify individuals ages 18 to 64 who are at highest risk for invasive pneumococcal disease, and two, implement advisory committee on immunization practice recommendations for administration of pneumococcal vaccines in adults with immunocompromising conditions ages 18 to 64. Before we get started, let me remind everyone that this podcast is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck and Company Incorporated. For more information, please visit the activity page for this podcast on www.primed.com. This is Dr. Robert Hopkins uh, doing a podcast on pneumococcal vaccination in highest risk adults 19 to 64 years of age. Pneumococci, Streptococcus pneumoniae, are a common bacterium that can cause human disease. Pneumococci tend to spread from human to human by airborne droplets. If an individual who carries these uh, bacteria in the nasopharynx coughs or sneezes, they spread these droplets which can then uh, land on the nasopharynx or oropharynx of other individuals. These bacteria can then spread directly to cause otitis media and sinusitis, which are the most common pneumococcal infections. Pneumococci also can cause serious infections when they violate normal anatomic and immune barriers. These serious infections include bacteremia, pneumonia, and meningitis. Pneumococcal infections occur in individuals of all ages. There are over 140 pneumococcal serotypes known, and a number of serotypes cause disease, which varies somewhat uh, in different geographic areas of the world. Strains causing disease have changed over decades and with vaccination. We do have two vaccines that have been demonstrated effective in producing community immunity and reducing individual infection. In this country, we currently use pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, PCV13, as well as pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, PPSV23. The United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices produces vaccination schedules annually, which provide our roadmap to vaccine protection, including against pneumococcal disease. Childhood pneumococcal vaccination provides dual benefits. It helps reduce childhood infections, and high rates of vaccination in the community provide the basis for community immunity, what many people call herd immunity, to pneumococci. Children should receive four doses of PCV13 vaccine before the age of 18 months, 
and in children who are highest risk, they should also receive one dose of pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, PPSV23, at ages two years of age and older. Adult vaccination primarily results in individual benefit by reduction in infection in that individual adult. The recommendations for adults are quite complex regarding timing, risk, and counseling, and adults can receive zero to one dose of PCV13 in their adult life, and one to three doses of PPSV23 are recommended. And shared decision-making is recommended for adults 65 and older uh, for PCV13, and that's a new and challenging concept. But we're going to focus this podcast on our highest-risk adult population. But to introduce that concept, I want to remind us all that there are four different groups of adults that we need to think about when we think about pneumococcal immunization. Adults 19 to 64 years of age without chronic medical conditions generally do not require pneumococcal vaccination until they either develop a high-risk condition or get to age 65 and older. The second risk group is adults 19 to 64 years of age with increased risk for pneumococcal infections. This would include patients who have chronic organ disease of the heart, liver, or lung, or have diabetes mellitus, those who drink alcohol to excess, and cigarette smokers. All of these adults 19 to 64 should receive a dose of pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine and then no further vaccination until they either develop a highest risk condition or develop highest risk due to age. The third group are our adults 65 and older who are at highest risk due to age. They should all receive a dose of pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine and we should use shared decision making on whether or not they should receive PCV13. There's another podcast I've recorded on that particular concept that may be helpful. And our final group are our adults 19 years and older who have highest risk medical conditions. These include patients who have anatomic risks, including cerebrospinal fluid leaks or cochlear implants, as well as our adults who have immune compromise. That immune compromise can be from a variety of sources. They can be on medications, including biologic immunomodulators, chemotherapeutic agents, prednisone 20 milligrams per day or equivalent for more than two weeks, patients who have systemic malignancy, are on cancer radiotherapy or have systemic cancer. All patients who have transplants of organ, bone marrow transplant, or stem cells are highest risk from immune compromise. Patients who have inherited and acquired immune deficiencies, including HIV infection, um, patients who have sickle cell disease and other uh, hemoglobinopathies, patients who have splenectomy, patients with renal failure and nephrotic syndrome. All of these adults are immune suppressed and are at highest risk for invasive pneumococcal infections. Well, when we talk about highest risk, what are we talking about? Well, children from uh, birth to age 18 years of age have, in a number of studies, shown an incidence of roughly 17 invasive pneumococcal infections per 100,000 and a death rate of around 0.2 per 100,000 due to pneumococcal infections. Patients in this highest risk immune suppressed group have rates of pneumococcal infection that go anywhere from 15 to 2,200 invasive pneumococcal infections per 100,000 and death rates that are in the the range of 2 to 10 per 100,000.
much higher than the childhood rate. Adults 65 and older who are in a high-risk group do have higher rates of invasive pneumococcal infections, but nowhere near the rate for our immune-compromised adults. So when we think about uh, these patients, we have to recognize they are at extremely high risk. So the group of adults with immune compromise is a challenge. These patients require two different vaccines to best protect them from pneumococcal infections, and there are a number of different elements we need to include when deciding when to immunize. I'm going to further segment this down into talking about our patients with anatomic defects, and then I'll come back to the patients with the much broader group of impaired immune function. So our patients with anatomic defects include patients who have cochlear implants, ventriculoperitoneal shunts, and other cerebrospinal fluid leaks. These patients have all lost their anatomic barrier protection against meningitis, but do not necessarily have any other immune deficiency. These patients should receive PCV13 vaccine, the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, ideally prior to the procedure that leaves them without loss of anatomic barrier, but if not, as soon as possible after the procedure. They should then receive a dose of pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, PPSV23, eight weeks later. If the anatomic breach occurs before age 65 years, they should then receive a final dose of PPSV23 after age 65 years, and this dose should at least be five years after their prior dose of PPSV23. If the anatomic defect occurs after age 65 years, no additional pneumococcal immunization is recommended after the first dose of PCV13 and the dose of PPSV23. So our patients with severe immune compromise are a heterogeneous group. They really fit into five relatively discrete subgroups that I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But it's important that we recognize that collaboration with our specialist colleagues will be critical in effectively immunizing many of these patients. And sometimes input from our specialists in infectious disease, oncology, and others may be important to maximize the benefits of pneumococcal immunization. So our first group are our patients on immune-compromising medication. These include patients treated with long-term systemic corticosteroids, equivalent to 20 milligrams a day of prednisone uh, or for two weeks or longer, patients on monoclonal biologic immunomodulators, patients who are on immune suppression for autoimmune diseases like inflammatory bowel disease and rheumatologic diseases. These patients all need PCV13 followed at least eight weeks later by PPSV23, and then will need additional doses based on age and time following the PPSV23 dose, and I'll discuss that more at length later. Our second group are patients who have transplants, transplants of solid organs, transplants of bone marrow or stem cells. All of these patients are profoundly immune suppressed. They will need to have a delay following their transplant before we give them pneumococcal vaccination. So collaboration with the specialist uh, managing that transplant is going to be critical to start pneumococcal vaccination as soon as possible while not giving them vaccine when they're so immune suppressed they don't get benefit. Our third group are our patients who have active, active systemic cancers or are receiving cancer treatments like chemotherapy and or radiation. Patients with uh, solid tumors uh, who have not yet had surgery and who are not yet receiving uh, treatments should be vaccinated if possible 
even prior to starting treatment so that we can get pneumococcal protection before you go into the active treatment phase. We have to remember that these patients with systemic cancers have immune dysfunction for as long as they have cancer, but when they go into remission, they may return to risks similar to their age-matched peers, depending on the particular malignancy and the specific treatments used. Again, collaboration with our hematology-oncology colleagues and infectious disease experts will be helpful in planning appropriate immunization for these patients. There is currently not yet much evidence or a consensus on pneumococcal immunization in patients receiving the new checkpoint inhibitor drugs, and that's an area that evidence will continue to evolve. Our fourth group are patients who have splenic dysfunction due to hemoglobinopathies and patients who have splenectomies. These patients all need PCV13 as soon as their uh, defect is noted. Uh, if they're going to have splenectomy, ideally if the PCV13 is given prior to surgery, that's going to give them protection uh, for, from the earliest possible point. They will then need PPSV23 at least eight weeks later, and we'll talk about additional doses in a moment. And then our final group are our patients who have nephrotic syndrome and end-stage renal disease. These patients lose antibody from nephrotic syndrome and do not make normal immune responses due to renal failure. They need PCV13 followed by PPSV23. So this is, this is a challenging, challenging set of recommendations. So in general, these highest risk patients should receive PCV13 at the time their risk factor is recognized, followed eight weeks later by PPSV23. If the patient is 55 years or younger when they receive this first dose of PPSV23, they should receive a second dose of PPSV23 five years after that initial dose and a final dose of PPSV23 five years after the second dose as long as that last dose uh, is given after age 65 years. Patients who are 60 years of age and older at the time they receive PPSV23 should receive a final dose of PPSV23 five years after their initial dose, as long as it's at least five years after the first dose. And patients who become most severely immune compromised, as we've discussed earlier, and are 65 and older at that time, only need one dose of PPSV23 eight weeks after their dose of pneumococcal conjugate vaccine. So to wrap up, our patients with anatomic defects that put them at risk for increased risk for meningitis due to pneumococci, and our patients with severe immune compromise are at highest risk for invasive pneumococcal infections. These patients all warrant pneumococcal conjugate and polysaccharide vaccine to reduce this risk. The maximum number of adult doses of PCV13 is one. Maximum number of adult doses of PPSV23 is three, but that only, you only need those second and third doses in patients who get their first dose before age 65. The use of a pneumococcal vaccination flowchart or electronic medical record tools may be particularly useful in effectively implementing these complex pneumococcal immunization recommendations. And collaboration with our specialist colleagues will be important to optimize vaccine protection from pneumococcal disease for these highest risk patients. Common considerations will be timing around cancer treatment and timing in post-organ transplant uh, recipients and those who have stem cell and bone marrow transplants. I hope this is helpful in you taking care of your patients, vaccinating them effectively, and helping prevent pneumococcal infections. 
and uh, have a great day. To obtain your CME credit, please visit primed.com and complete a short post-assessment. If you listen to this podcast on another platform, please refer to the episode description, where there is a direct link to the activity page on primed.com for claiming CME credit. We thank you again for joining Primed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.